I think the main reason why salespeople aren't great and the main reason why people dislike salespeople is because they call themselves professional, but they're not remotely professional. They don't act or conduct themselves in a manner that any other profession would. A lawyer, an accountant, or a surgeon wouldn't act or behave the way a sales professional does. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi there, listeners of the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm running a little competition as we're trying to get more people to discover this podcast and the work that inspires those to sell with love more. And the best way to do this is to leave reviews, both on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who leave a review when listening to this episode, I would ask you to take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. And in doing so, I'm going to give you a set of meditations that you can use to get into the state of selling with love, whether it's connecting with your buyer, affirmations before making calls or any kind of outreach. These will empower you to be feeling powerful and to be able to do it from a place of love. It is a reward for supporting the show, being a loyal listener, and of course, being able to give more to my amazing audience. Thank you for always showing up, listening, and being inspired by the amazing guests that I get to interview and I get to share their message with you. So again, just leave a review. Take a screenshot of the review. This can be done on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts and email it directly to me, jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. Thank you, and now let's get started with our episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. We're going to have some fun today. We're not going to start with love here. We're going to start on the other side of the spectrum, or is it really? I am bringing with me Benjamin Dennehy, who's actually known, get this tagline, the UK's most hated sales trainer. So we're going to look at what does it look like when we start anchoring around hate and why do most people usually have this association with sales? But not only that, he's going to bring you a unique perspective on what is some of the advice that most people give in sales and why we have to start looking at it differently and doing better. And some of the hate that he receives is because he's a man that speaks the truth. And he's here on the podcast to bring a lot of these truths forward. Uh, Benjamin or Ben, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Jason. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, Ben, I got to start. You know, some of the people that are listening to the podcast, which is the primary medium is audio only. They don't get to see the beautiful hat that you have around make salesmen great again. And so I wanted to start there. What's going on? Why are we seeing salespeople not be so great today? Were they ever great, I guess, is the question. <laughs> um, I think there was a hater. I think they used to have a bit more respect. But I think the main reason why salespeople aren't great and the main reason why people dislike salespeople is because they call themselves professional, but they're not remotely professional. They don't act or conduct themselves in a manner that any other profession would. A lawyer, an accountant, or a surgeon wouldn't act or behave the way a sales professional does. I always say this to people, how many years does it take to become a surgeon? It's like seven years of medical school, then you've got your residency, then you've got your specialism. You're probably looking at 10 to 15 years before you're a surgeon. 
It takes five years to qualify as a barrister or an attorney if you're in the US. It takes about four years to qualify as an accountant. But to be called a sales professional, it takes three days product knowledge, a new suit, a car, a CRM system, and you are one. I love the brutality of that. It's huge. You know, I speak a lot about the fact that the majority of our interactions with a salesperson is going to be a bad one because it's an unregulated industry. And so, yeah, if we're going percentage wise, the average isn't looking too good. Do you advocate for that? Do you wish there was a professional body for salespeople? No, it seems like an oxymoron in a way. I should. But the problem is, is people are never going to agree on what sales professionalism is. That's what I've discovered. See, most people think selling is the art of convincing, which I completely disagree with. It's you can't convince anyone of anything. There's a great saying by Mark Twain, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And what that says is it's not hard to overpower someone's intellectual senses or their emotions in a moment. But given the chance to think about it and reflect, they go back to their original position. So convincing people doesn't work. People think it's a gift of the gab. It is a communication skill, but it's the opposite of the gift of the gab. It's the gift of STFU, which is shut the F up, which is quite the opposite. It's about being honest and transparent. And that, again, flies in the face of what most... Now, most salespeople would say they're honest. But actually, they're not because they, just like prospects, withhold things or skirt around things or hope that things won't come up. So, no, I don't think it could be professionalized to that extent. So I'm just doing my little bit in my own little way with the handful of people that I will train in my life. I wonder if there's just so much more tolerance in the industry that allows for people that are non-professional salespeople still get away with it and have a slice of success? Is it because our standards are too low for what we should expect from a salesperson? The barrier to entry is so low. If you can wear a suit and not dribble during the interview, you are qualified. That's the entry to sales. And I do this. I've stood in a room full of 200 business owners. I don't even actually know the last time I did this was in front of 1,200 business owners at an event. And I said, put up your hand. If when you were at school and you were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Put up your hand if you said salesman. Not a single hand goes up. Nobody chooses selling as a career. Now, there's going to be a handful of people watching this. Well, that's not true. I did. Yeah, okay. This is problem with sales. We take things too literally. There will be a handful of people that actually wanted to be in sales. But let's be blunt. 90 to 95% of people that are in sales are there by default, not design. They didn't choose this for their life. They didn't want this for their life. They don't actually really still want it for their life. They ended up in it because after spending four years at university studying sports psychology or gender theory, they suddenly realized that no one's going to pay them for this rubbish. They need a job. They're educated. They can string a sentence together. Who's always hiring? Sales. They get offered it a couple of years into the role. They've had some success, but more importantly, they realize one thing. I have no transferable skills. And they're stuck. And they just eke it out until they die. Or they win the lottery and they move on to something else. But that's the big problem is most people in sales don't want to be there. And the few that do want to be, they're really good because there are really good salesmen, but they're the ones who are committed to getting good. They invest in themselves. They, they read books. They try new things. They become acutely aware that it's all about habits, behaviors, and routine and patterns. But the average salesman, 
crosses his fingers, hopes for the best. I talk a lot in my own you know, training about how we usually have a caricature of a salesperson. And every time I ask this question, people think of a used car salesman, right? I'd be curious to know, is there an industry that you feel has a cluster of the greatest salespeople? Oh, you know, I've never been asked that question. I mean, some of my assumptions would be maybe around software sales or some of these like large B2B transactions. Mm, it depends how you define what is good. How would you define it? The thing about being good, it's like being a professional. What makes a professional a professional? It's not just the ethics and standards and all of that. There's more to it than that. It's the fact that a professional is able to repeat what they do consistently. And a professional's interested in how they get to the outcome and not whether they get there. And so a good lawyer or a good surgeon, they're not thinking about the end of the operation or what the jury's going to do in two weeks' time. They're thinking about each step along the way. I've got to do each cut right. So they're called present. They're in the moment. And so if you were to ask a surgeon or a lawyer, why are you good at what you do? Very few of them are going to do what the average salesman would say. Well, it's my winning personality. They're going to say, why are you good at what you do? They don't say, oh, it's luck or some you win, some you lose, or it's a numbers game. All of the stuff that a lot of salesmen, they'd say, why am I good? Do you know how many times I've done that operation? About 3,000 times. I know every single cut backwards, sideways. I could do it blindfolded with one arm behind my back. I know it. I know what's in the human body. There's literally nothing can happen on that table that can ever surprise me. I cannot cut into a human being and go, oh my goodness, what on earth is this? Nothing. So everything is choreographed and controlled. From the minute I walk in up to the minute I put in the last suture, I'm in total control. Now, whether or not the patient lives or dies... If I've done my job well without any negligence and there's been no hiccups, they live. If they die, then we do an autopsy. And if I've done nothing wrong, we discover it's some intervening third-party act of which I'm not responsible. But if I have done something wrong, then I get punished or I fix my ways. But salespeople aren't like that. They tend to, you know, right place, right time. I mean, like they say, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. So if you're an IBM salesman, come on, Really? Are you actually selling anything? Basically, what you're doing is negotiating the best price. So we have to really look at what makes it good. But if you've got a salesman who consistently hits target at full rate, then you've got a good salesman. Just because you get someone to give you money doesn't make you a salesman. If you discount to win business, you're not a salesman. If you have to negotiate, you're not a salesman. They're different words because they describe different behavior. A salesman gets his fees on his terms and both parties walk away satisfied. If you're consistently doing that, you're good. But if you're not, if you're waiting to the end of the quarter and you're slashing it by 10% to get it over the line, but still hitting target, well, that doesn't make you very good. A bit of AI could have done that. So that's what I mean by good. You have to consistently and predictably achieve based on what you've done, yeah? And so if you break down the average salesperson, it's more luck, timing, right product. I mean, that's all fine. I don't take that from them, but don't take the credit for the product selling itself. Very good point. And it's interesting because you bring up an idea. I just finished a book, Never Split the Difference, who speaks about negotiations. A Chris Voss, yes. There we go. That's right. And I love how they talk about it. when you do that, oh, I'll call it 10% off and we'll call it a day. He calls that the wimp win, not the win-win. And I thought that was a 
beautiful play on words. So as a salesperson, if you're going to be good, you're bringing consistency on getting top price, making sure you're guiding people. They're satisfied with the transaction. I think that would be a key one in my books, which kind of brings me to a question I wanted to bring to you, which is, you know, you are known as the most hated sales trainer. Why do salespeople hate doing training with you? What is it that you bring into their face that makes them have that energetic surge? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose because, well, the reason I'm the most hated is because, frankly, I made it up, right? You know, there's no international, there's no international body that measures hatred towards sales trainers, although it should be. <laughs> it's hard to believe, right? So now I made it up, and I made it up because when I started out in this game. I'm in a highly commoditized, marketized industry. So a lot of people say, well, it's all right for a sales trader to teach people to sales trade because you're in a different market. No, I'm not. I'm in an extremely competitive, price-sensitive, driven, commoditized sector. How many bloody sales trainers are there in the UK or the US or the world? I mean, there must be thousands, hundreds of thousands. So I had to stand out. And when I went on LinkedIn and I looked at what, sales trainers or other professionals, I hate the word, but I'll use the word, other professionals said about themselves. What do they all call themselves? They all say number one, top performer, major influencer, top seller, guru, expert. And it's like all of them want to be loved. And that's the fundamental problem with why most people sales fail. They go into it thinking if you're liked, you'll sell because they only remember the people that liked them, that bought from them. And I thought, you don't have to be liked to sell. In fact, you can be hated. I've had people say, Benjamin, I actually don't like you, but I actually do believe you can help me. Yeah, I know, because you're not hiring a bloody friend. You're hiring a sales trainer. And it's the same with a product. Now, don't get me wrong. Going out of your way to be a complete twat and rubbing people up the wrong way ain't going to help either. But you don't have to be liked to sell. You have to be trusted. And in order to be trusted, you have to ask tough, challenging questions. And you can't do that if you want to be liked, because you won't ask questions that could upset people if you want to be liked. So that's the contradiction. So I'm hated because I point the bleeding obvious out. And salespeople don't like having the mirror held up to them. They don't like the fact that it's not COVID's fault they're not selling. They don't like the fact that it's not Brexit. They don't like the fact that it's the invasion of Ukraine or it's inflation. It's none of those faults. Good salespeople were still selling during the pandemic. There was still 12 trillion quid in the UK economy going around despite COVID. Business didn't stop. All that stopped was crap salespeople. The good ones, I did very well in the COVID. You know, the pandemic was good for me. I pivoted very quickly, moved online. So good salespeople will sell regardless of the circumstance because they're professional, because they have a repeatable, consistent, predictable process. I'm hated because I point this out. I'm hated because people don't like to be told the truth. Plus, the Trump hat doesn't help. <laughs> well, honestly, I love that you bring that forward. And you said something really key that I wanted to dig into a lot more, which is this need of being liked, getting in the way of your performance of asking challenging question. Can you unpack that a little more on how that usually unfolds? The problem is, is most salespeople often into most selling situations in a servitude position. They view the prospect as in control. Now, they will lie to you to your face to say they don't believe that. But I never believe anything anyone tells me. I observe how they behave. You see, your behavior will always give away your true belief system. Yeah, and 
how you behave will determine. So if you're someone that goes into a sales meeting and the prospect says, well, why don't you start? And you start, well, who was in control of that? They've already dictated. Yep, so I see that. If I watch them answering questions, when I listen to them answer questions, you know, a prospect says, so where are you guys based? And I hear the salesman answer without thinking, oh, we're based in London. I say, you're not in control because the first thing you should have done is said to that guy, no one ever asked me where we're based. Is that important? And he goes, nah, just making conversation. Or he goes, well, actually, yeah, because I don't want to work with someone that's not local. And then I challenge it further and go, well, what do you mean by local? Because I don't want to assume local is his local is my local. So this is what a good, he challenges everything. He questions everything. But the average salesman says, I do that. And no, you don't, because I listen to you. They go, who do you work with? And you start telling them rather than giving them options. When you say, who do I work with? Are you interested in companies like yours, maybe in the same sector, similar problem or some other reason? Oh, someone in our sector. Interesting. Is that because you want to find out if we work with any of your competitors or if we have experience in your sector? Well, both actually. Oh, okay. So I'm constantly gathering information. You can't do that if you're not in control. And so salespeople don't do that. The average sales meeting, I guarantee the salesman to dump more information than he's gathered. And if you are leaving a sales meeting, having given away information and coming away with very little, you're not in control because he who asks the questions is in control. And prospects are very good at asking questions. And salespeople, what's the number one thing every human being loves talking about? Themselves. Themselves. So what's the number one thing a salesman loves talking about? themselves and their product. What's the one thing all prospects love getting salesmen to do? Talk about themselves and their product. So once you get out of that mindset, you can become a professional. That is why I say the fear of not being like, the fear of upsetting, the fear of challenging. And they say, oh, I do challenge. And then you listen to it. It's a pathetic challenge. Well, why do you mean that, sir? That's not a challenge. Can I hold you accountable, sir? When you say your sales guys aren't achieving, when you went to them and asked them, why aren't you achieving? What did they say? Well, I've not actually asked that question. Well, why not? Uh, well, no, that's a fair point. Well, let's pretend you did ask them. What would they say? Well, you know, they'd probably say this, this, and this. And do you think any of those excuses are valid? Well, some of them are. Then I can't help you. Yeah? And it's challenging. Salespeople don't want to do that because their fear is, well, if this guy don't like me, he won't buy from me. And it's perpetuated by the lie, people by people, which is a lie. Well, that's actually a misquote. It's people by people like them. It's not people by... If people bought people, I wouldn't exist. I love how much reality you bring into this. And I love this idea of challenging because, again, it's not likability. It's trust. And if you have a solution that you're actually trying to provide for them, you're willing to make those challenges so that you can earn that trust. One of the things I speak a lot about is, you know, you have to love the client. And the way I say you love the client is actually to take the time to understand them. And this is what you're doing by asking these questions and keeping control is you're gathering that information so you can actually see if you're the right fit for them, right? Yeah. I mean, when I get in front of a prospect, and this is the other thing that most salespeople have, is they get in front of people and they think this is an opportunity to demonstrate to them how they can help. I'm the exact opposite. I get in front of someone and I think, I know I can effing help. The question is, are you suitable to be my next client? I don't have to convince you or do a dog and pony show to show you that the warehouse of stuff I have, well, I know it works. That's why I have a business built around selling it. The question is, is are you someone who I should work with? And this doesn't matter if you're selling software, telecoms, 
all telecoms companies work. The phone system works. The question is, is should we take you on as a customer because there are certain people we want to work with and certain people we don't want to work with? But the average salesman, because he doesn't prospect, because he's lazy, because he's scared to get out in front of people, they only ever meet enough people just to survive, so they have to take anything that comes their way. And it's just, it's a terrible way to live, but that's how they do it, so yeah. Amazing. You already talked about something I wanted to ask you, is this idea of most people, maybe they don't have the courage to approach it with challenge and with the surety that you have with the products that you already know bring results. And you highlighted the fact that maybe it's because they haven't done enough of the prospecting. So there's this thing I called sales one-itis when you have one prospect and oh, you have to close it. Now you become needy. So would you say adequate prospecting is one of the key things to do to find yourself building that confidence that you don't need to close everyone, just the ones you know you can help? Yes, the purpose of prospecting is to get in front of more people than you can sell to. Because then you have choice. If you don't have choice, you're stuck. And this is it. This is the only reason I don't have to prospect much now because most of my business comes to me via reputation and referral, which again is where all salespeople want to get. This is the other thing. Prospecting is not forever. If you stick with an organization, build a base, get good at what you do, you don't have to prospect. But you do have to prospect when you first start out. And that process can last up to three years. You know, it's not quick. But the problem with people is they want to progress really quickly. So after 18 months being with a company, oh, I'm sick of doing this prospecting. I'm not advancing. So they quit and they start a new job. Where do you start? Right back at zero again. And they keep doing this for their whole freaking life. Stick with one organization. Prospect your guts out for the first two to three years. And after that, you won't have to prospect ever again. It's a finite period in a professional sales career. It is perpetual for an order taker, right? And the reason I would prospect is I wanted to get in front of more people than I could sell to. Because if I got in front of more people I could sell to, I could start challenging and being tough because well, I don't care if I fuck this. I've got another six of these. I need two of you to say yes. And I could practice challenging. Every time I would go on a sales meeting, I'd try a new question that I thought would scare the hell out of me until I saw the reaction was nowhere near as bad as anticipated, right? I'll use that next time. And that was it, just a process of getting tougher and tougher. And now there is literally nothing I cannot ask and haven't asked. And I'm amazed at what I get away with. Still to this day, I come out of a meeting and I can't believe he actually didn't punch me. Would we be able to be treated to one of the most daring questions you've asked or more confrontational moments you've had? I will. I'll give you what I was in front of a CEO of a resource management company. I cold called him. I got through to him. I did my, I'll be up front. This is a sales school. Do you want to hang up or let me have 30 seconds? And he said, you're going to have 30 seconds, but you ain't getting anywhere with me. Right? Six minutes later, I had an appointment. I went and saw this guy. Now I, I rock up got my suspenders or braces, wherever you are in the world, holding up the pants, sneakers, shirt. I don't wear a tie. I walk into his office and he gives me that look that everyone gives me when they see the way I dress. It's that look of contempt. And as soon as I see that look, I think, gut one, you know. I sit down in his office and he starts explaining. We start the meeting and he starts to explain the situation. And as he's explaining the situation, I just get this feeling in my gut. It's like, this sounds terrible. I mean, the situation he was in was really dire. And I just turned to him 
And I'd never asked this question before, so this was a first. But this is a rule. If you're going to ask a question which you're pretty sure could upset someone or even has the faintest possibility of upsetting someone, you've got to get permission. So I looked at him and I said, look, I need to ask you a really uncomfortable question, but I'm scared that if I do, you're going to punch me in the face. I guess, so how do I do that? Now, he just looks at me and goes, just ask me. And I go, are you sure? Because it's a humdinger. And now they lean into you. They're begging you. I can say anything I want now. Yeah, because they've given me permission. Come on, lamp me one. And so I just looked at him and I said, why don't you just quit? And he looked at me. And then he looked down. And then he looked up and he said, well, you know, it's funny you say that because I actually handed my resignation in two weeks ago. I said, I had a feeling something wasn't right here. And I go, can I ask another weird question? He goes, yeah. I go, you can't buy from me, can you? He goes, no. This is another rule. Remember this. Prospects are allowed to waste your time because you are nothing but a salesman. They think nothing of it. Crap salesman would be sitting there listening to this guy's problem thinking, this is good. This guy's in so much pain. We're going to be able to help him. My gut was saying, this is so bad that anybody who wasn't here trying to sell would have to ask this guy, why the hell don't you just get out? I have the courage to do that. And he told me. And then I said to him, yeah. I go, well, I guess this is meetings over then. He goes, pretty much. He goes, look, I'll tell you what, he goes, I wish I'd met you six months ago. I said, well, you know, I wish I called six months ago, but that's how life works, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, so tell you what. He goes, I'm going to recommend to the board that they continue this conversation. And I said, can I be blunt? He goes, yeah. I said, what are the odds the boards are going to take any advice from the man that's quit in the middle of this? And he actually said, not a lot. I said, no, why don't we just close the book on this one? And I left. And I left feeling good because that's a qualified no. I was thrilled because I got to ask a question that I'd never quite asked before to someone. And I got the perfect response. I mean, I could not have choreographed it better. You know, if I'd been followed by a TV camera crew, they would have assumed it was set up, right? And it was just that story I've told over and over again. It was worth more than selling to him because I've asked that question now several times since because it works. So that's what I mean by having courage. And that's an example of the fear that the salespeople have. Of, you can't ask that. You can if you do it well. You can't blurt it out like some numpty. That's the skill in selling. So skill is a gift of the gab, but it's how you communicate. It's not talk, 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 convince, 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 convince. Benj, I feel like we could keep this conversation going for a long time. This is so much fun and I really love your approach to it. I love the straightforwardness to it and I love the advice that you're able to provide for anybody listening. If you pay close attention to what we covered here is just number one, we talked about how the majority of the salespeople out there are not professionals. You don't need any kind of qualifications to get started in sales. And so guess what? Most of the interactions you will have with a salesperson might not be the most qualified person, but you can choose to be a professional. And what does that look like? Well, I think one of the best traits that we can think about and that was discussed with Benj today was the fact that you need to have the courage to be able to have challenging questions, being able to take control of situations that you're in the sales where you ask 
ask the questions and you don't assume anything. And I love one of the qualities he talked about, somebody who has an interest in sales, doesn't necessarily choose to be in sales, but choose to stay in sales and be the best in sales, continuously educates themselves, continuously looks to learn. And I know for everybody who's still here with us right now, you are someone who continuously learns and invests as you're listening to this conversation and so much more on this podcast. I want to make sure to direct everybody in the show notes. There will be a link to learn more from Benjamin. He has a ton of content that he shares online and he's just a great person to keep in touch, follow his content and learn more the real way to sell as UK's most hated sales trainer, which I think is a fantastic way of standing out in a competition where everybody else is trying to compete to be the best, which is all self-proclaimed. Benj, once again, thank you so much for your time sharing on this podcast. These stories were amazing. This conversation was amazing and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.